0: I came from the mud, there's on my hands Strong like a tree, there's roots where I stand
1: Welcome to another episode for Laymen of the Apocalypse A show where ordinary friends have slightly irreverent conversations About theology, church, and the Christian life in a
2: world where the sky is always falling. Hey guys, welcome back to the Layman of the Apocalypse podcast. We're grateful that you're able to join us today. And we have a special guest, Tolian Chivijan. He's the pastor of the Sanctuary down in Jupiter, Florida. And this is a guy who understands what it's like to crash and to burn, go through the flames, smelling like smoke, but get up and continue to follow Jesus. And that's why we love this guy. And I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Without further ado, here's Tolian. Oh, here we go. Here we
3: go. Jingle, jingle, jingle.
2: Hey, how's it going, Tolian? What
3: up? Sorry, I'm a few minutes late. I was untangling my headphones.
2: (laughs) No, you're good. We appreciate (laughs) you taking the time. Yeah, you sound good. Thanks for joining.
3: Yeah, you guys are welcome. Where where are you guys, like, geographically?
1: Well, I'm actually uh, Matt uh, Johnson and myself are actually located in uh, Florida. And Matt Casarilla is all the way across in California. Ah,
3: soon. okay. All right. What part of Florida?
1: Uh, Citrus County, actually. Citrus County.
3: So Orlando. Is that right?
1: Uh, maybe a little bit north northwest of Orlando by about an hour. So um, do you know uh, Ray Cortese? Yes,
3: I know him very well. Yeah,
1: he's our pastor.
3: Oh, nice. Okay, good. Yeah, Ray, uh, I mean, I haven't seen him in five years. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he... Uh, yeah, he's, I think he spoke at the last Liberate conference we had, or mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was mm-hmm. 2014 or 2015, but he spoke at a men's retreat for us the year before, and his messages were so amazing. I said, I want you to deliver that same exact message at Liberate next year if you'd be willing to do it, and he did. We were honored to have him. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's 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 a handful of people that smell a lot like Jesus and really get the gospel, and and yourself and, and Ray and, and, you know, Steve Brown and a lot of these guys who just really just figured out the gospel in a way that they, they, they you step out of piety and you're like, you know what, we, we need to just preach this un, yeah, unadulterated, unfettered. like, yeah, unfettered, yeah. Un,
3: uncut. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right.
1: And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I find myself constantly coming back to your sermons and being like, you know what, I, I, I just, I appreciate all the teaching I'm getting here and over here. And I'm just like, you know, today I just, I need, I need the gospel raw. And I know I, no man. matter what, I can come to your sermons and there's, there's something there in every sermon and it's always about Jesus. And it's always about how he's big we're small jesus mm. plus nothing equals everything and and it just that,
3: that would be an amazing title for a book you wouldn't gave it me a great idea yeah hey man hey man you know <laughs> royalties here
1: i expect them yeah thank you
3: i will i will give you a finder's fee for the title <laughs> okay i appreciate that
2: <laughs> speaking of finder's fees uh this is Matt Johnson over here, by the way, totally. And thank you again yeah. for coming on the show. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Just like Brian said, i uh, been following your ministry for quite a while, uh, even back in the EPC days. Um,
3: wow. That's yeah, going man. way back.
2: And uh, it was funny that we had a small PCA church here, it's a small church plant um, here on the Nature Coast. And we totally ripped off your uh, title from your book, <laughs> Jesus plus nothing equals <laughs> everything. We literally <laughs> printed that on our building. Put grace to the <laughs> <Yes>. test.
3: <laughs> so
2: there you go. Listen, but I, uh, uh, that's nothing, that's we don't make any money. So there's you know, no bother going after us.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry about it. Uh, the gospel is God's great public domain. So we may all come up with our various ways of, you know, describing it, articulating it, but we're all just saying the same thing. Those of us who are saying it. So yeah. there is no claim. No claim. Amen. Man. <laughs> That's
2: all. Awesome. Well, we we just started this podcast not that long ago, but really just based off of like what Brian says, some some great teaching that we've learned over the years. Um, you know, Brian and I are, you know, pretty much Westminster Confession, card holders, uh, we go to the PCA <laughs> church with, you know, Pastor Ray Cortez, but uh, our friend Matt is kind of a free-spirited like charismatic calvinist that i means, help get
0: uh, people California saved country. so they can be pastors in your
3: denomination <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that's good yeah we need we, we need that we need the charismatic we need them all <laughs> yeah. it, so. whenever we're, we're, when, when things really go south in life and you need prayer they're the ones you go to Period. i'm gonna pull a
0: switcheroo ruin you guys charis <laughs> grace <laughs> yeah. matic i'm a grace fanatic
3: <laughs> there you go man you, you do you keep that <laughs> that's awesome
1: so what are you up to these days
3: are you talking to me? What am I? So, okay. Well, real quick before, because I wanna—I don't want to get ahead of you guys yeah. or myself. Let me know. Are we recording right now? We are. Correct, oh, sir. okay. Are you, so are you guys gonna edit like all of this stuff and just yeah. keep it as is? We, we, we trim it.
0: Brian trims it down. He, he cooks a mean steak, so.
3: <laughs> okay. Good.
0: Good. <laughs> we can even um, bounce it off you to make sure you're okay with it, man. Because we're not. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I trust you guys. We're not. No, I trust you guys.
3: Not this or exploiting this. We're just saying thank you. No, dude. You guys. You guys, are, you guys are welcome, um, and I'm I am glad to be on. I got uh, I got your note, uh, Brian. I got your note, and. <laughs> uh, went back. My wife was sitting in the room and went back and listened to the podcast where you guys said you mentioned something about me. So I'm always mm-hmm. curious. I'm like, well, that could mean they mentioned something and it was positive, or they mentioned something <laughs> and it was negative. So <laughs> let me go check it out. Um, and and uh, we both listened to it. My wife is a an amazing, amazing woman who is a fierce protector of mine. So we listened to it, and I said, I really like these guys. And she said, I do too. So that's <laughs> when you. I responded and said, absolutely, I'd be honored to do it. So I'm happy to be on and I'm grateful for the invitation and uh, I'm glad this time worked for all of us. So in terms of what am I doing now? Well, uh, about a year ago, in fact, right at a year ago, my wife and I moved from the southwest coast of Florida in Fort Myers, where we had been living for a year and a half, back to the southeast coast of Florida uh, in Jupiter, just north of West Palm Beach, which is about 45 minutes north of Fort Lauderdale, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. There was a group of people who contacted us in November of 2018 and asked if we would consider the possibility of planting a church, Mm -hmm. which was not immediately attractive to me at all. (laughs) At all. For about a year and a half leading up to that point, uh, we were traveling almost every weekend. I was traveling and speaking. And I am not an itinerant preacher. Like I am so much of a homebody and I have a very strict kind of daily boring routine. I eat the same stuff every day at the same time. I work out at the same time every day. We like tell. I'm, just a, yeah, well, I'm just a homebody. <laughs> I really am. I mean, I'm just a homebody and I've been that way for a long time. I travel when I have to, but I didn't want my the rest of my life to be spent on the road. You know, at yeah. home, Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leave Friday, come back Sunday. So, so when we were actually on a layover in the Dallas airport on our way to Austin, Texas, and we get a call from a girl who has known me since I was in eighth grade, her family and my family have been friends and her and my wife had become friends. And. So she calls my wife, and she says, would you two ever be interested in coming to Jupiter and starting a church? Hmm. So that kind of took us off guard a little bit. That was not really what I was thinking I would do at all. And make a very long story short, we had a number of conversations. My wife and I made a couple of trips over from... Fort Myers to Jupiter and spent the weekend with some of these people. And um, and after about, oh, I don't know, two or three months of a lot of prayer, a lot of counsel, Really going to the people, first our church, Uh, we were members of a Lutheran church in Fort Myers and uh, so went to, you know, our pastor who's a dear friend and a real pastor to us and our elders and said, this has come up and we need you guys to weigh in on this and went to uh, my mentor and spiritual father, Paul Zoll, he and his wife, Mary, have been huge for Stacy and me. I mean, they have walked with us through the valley of the shadow of death thousands of times. And so we went to them and said, what do you think? And uh, consulted with a few other people that really know us well that we look up to and uh, listen to. And so to make a long story short, after uh, months of that, we concluded that this is in fact what God wanted us to do. My wife came to that conclusion a little bit before I did. (laughs) Uh, And she so was very patient. Usually. Yeah, and she was very patient. Uh, and I told her she's she's born and raised in Texas. She is a Texas girl through Sweet. and through. Her entire family's in Texas. Uh, she has a large extended family. She is the only one who lives outside of Texas. Um, and so, so she's uh, a
0: woman's woman,
3: right there, man.
0: <laughs> she's a woman's
3: woman. She is she's an amazing woman and so but she's never been a pastor's wife mm. and so i said listen your excitement over this is a, is a bit naive <laughs> never underestimate <laughs> a texan
0: man never right. underestimate him
3: i was like honey i love your passion for this and i love your enthusiasm mm-hmm. for this but at the same time i've been there i've done that and i have zero intentions of going back yeah. And I just, you know, I mean, everything that blew up in 2015, I was just, just the thought of being a pastor gave me PTSD. It really mm. did. Mm. So man. I was not, you know, I wanted to serve people and love people in whatever way God allowed me to do that. But I never saw myself pastoring a church again. And I certainly didn't see myself planting a church. Yeah. So um, so it took a lot of uh, convincing uh, on God's part to get me to the point <laughs> where I really, <laughs> where I really I, I understand this, that. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it took... You know, it, and, and the people that we were going to and seeking counsel from were uh, uniformed in their counsel. I mean, they were all – there was not an ounce of hesitation, which meant a lot to me because I really listened to these people and depend on these people. And if they would have said – if one of them would have said, bad idea, don't do it, we wouldn't have done it. And uh, it was a, a wide fact-
1: variety of uh, an audience for you to sort of bounce your ideas off of. And, and
3: It was. And- Yeah. I mean, it was a small circle. I mean, the people that really have invested a lot of pain and blood and sweat and tears Mm -hmm. uh, into me specifically and to my wife and I uh, as a couple. I mean, those are the people who have proven that they're going to be non-blinking friends come hell or high water. And so what they said Uh, matters. I mean, it mattered a lot, and what they continue to say matters a lot. But So Mm -hmm. when they were all in agreement that this is I think what God's calling you to do, I was scared. I was nervous. My wife, if she were here, she would tell you that I would wake up almost every morning and say, I don't want to do this. Like, I just don't want to do this. (laughs) That's Um, how you know it's
0: God right there, man.
3: (laughs) I I know. He's such a sadomasochist. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like okay, I know that if I really don't want to do it, it's probably what God wants me to do. But I mean, I was there were there were certain things that were attractive to me about it. One was that I desperately wanted to get back to the southeast coast of Florida. I mean, it's my home, even mm-hmm. though I've never lived in Jupiter before, and it's forty five minutes north of where I grew up. It's Paradise, still the southeast man. coast of Florida. Man, man. it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I have I have three kids. My oldest son is 25, my middle son is 23, my daughter's 18, and they all live in Fort Lauderdale. So I wanted to be, you know, closer to them. We're very close, and I wanted to be geographically close to them. And so that was attractive. Getting off the road and not having to travel was very attractive. Hmm. But if I could have had those two things without planting a church, I would have (laughs) opted for that. <laughs> well, God so, does use
0: our desires to lead us. I know, I know. So and you, um, and you have a new covenant heart, so it's legit.
3: Well, <laughs> thank you. Um, So we moved here a year ago and we began laying the foundation for this church, which we called the Sanctuary, and really started to envision what it would be and uh, what kind of a community we wanted to have. I told my wife early in the process, I'm, I'm willing to go if we have the freedom to create the kind of church that would joyfully welcome people like us. People who have a story to tell, people who have failed miserably, people who have crashed and burned and bottomed out. If we can create a space for people like that to feel comfortable and to come... (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's all people. It's just you know. It's I've said this many times, but when Jesus says, "You know, I haven't come for the righteous. I've come for the sinner." He's not saying there are good people in this world who don't need me, and there are bad people who do. What he's saying is there are bad people who there are there are bad people who think that they're good, and there are bad people who know that they're bad. And so you know, we are all those kinds of people, and uh, and so we. The gospel is the nuclear football. It I mean, is. And yeah. God's given it to you. And he's like, just mm. run down the field, son. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, right. I know. And he's like, no, just go through the line, Packers. Go through the defensive ends. I'm like, okay, this is getting a little old. Where are my blockers? Where are my blockers? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, this are Sparrow's
0: yeah.
3: army. What are you talking about? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's like scene. it would be, I'll, I'll do whatever you want, God. Just give me an offensive line, please, yes. to, to create some holes. Um, but so we, we spent the summer months. Last summer, uh, meeting with these people on a weekly basis, laying the foundation, and we officially launched our church in September, middle of September last year. And uh, we have been slowly building and enjoying the process. I this this time around is so different for me in so many different ways. I mean, first of all, it's been five years since I was a pastor, and mm-hmm. In those five years, I lived the equivalent of 50 years. At least it feels that way. And so, you know, I mean, God just put me to death in so many different ways. He put me to death in almost every way during that time. And it was incredibly painful and it was miserable. And I never want to go through something like that again. But I am as a result of God's killing work. It's like Jonah uh,
0: praying in the belly of the whale. You know, he's
3: just like, yes. This yeah. sucks, but I trust yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I had a hard time trusting God at some point, just going, okay, I don't like what are you doing? I feel like I've learned enough. You know, you you bot <laughs> the bottom falls out in your life, and you think you've hit rock bottom, and just when you're about to get back on your feet, another bottom falls out, and then mm-hmm. another bottom falls out, and you're like, and "That was you're walking you know, my on water, experience. dude." <laughs> walking yeah, on right. water. <laughs> yes, that's the it way is. it felt, and so um, and so we uh we launched officially in September, and we have been uh, enjoying. It hasn't been without its challenges, just like any church work but we have thoroughly enjoyed the process i feel 10 times different this time around thank um, you for doing this by the way like, oh, gosh, man.
0: for for like doing it after you you fell in the drink because like Peter walked on water twice and a lot of people forget that right. But yeah, but he, got, right. he got he got out of the boat and, yeah. and and you and you've done that in your life. So
3: I just want to say thank you, man. Like, oh man. Well, I I mean I wish I, I appreciate you saying that. I wish I could take some credit for it. I oh, it's the grace of me. God, no
0: doubt. But like, yeah, you're, feel, you're feeling it. So I'm just like, hey, thanks for being positive
3: about it at least. Oh, gosh, man. No, yeah, right. No, you're welcome, man. I mean, I'm telling you, and this is the God to honest truth, man. I am alive and doing what I'm doing today, not because in my darkest moments, in my weakest moments, I held on to God. I mean, I let go 10,000 times. Mm -hmm. I'm here today and doing what I'm doing because in my darkest, weakest moments, God never let go of me. And that is just a fact. When people ask me, How did you get from where you were to where you are and honestly and this is not a joke i honestly say i have no earthly idea i wish (laughs) i mean i wish that i could give you some formula on how to pick yourself up by your bootstraps once you crash and burn i don't have that formula i just know that god carried me from where i was to where i am and oftentimes he was doing it while I was kicking and screaming. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm just super, super grateful for his grace. It's super real. It's not theoretical. Yeah. It's not simply yeah, intended to be discussed and debated. I mean, it is a it's life.
0: real mind. deal, man. It Here's is a Matt Cassarella mind. quote. The only way to Jesus is through the haunted house, man. And, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, 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 and but guess what? You can't hang out with Jesus without being lit on fire. So. <laughs> right. right yeah. So you, you can learn to
3: enjoy it or, or complain the whole way, right? I uh, do. That I I totally agree, man. So we um uh, so we've been. I think the other thing that feels very different this time around is I. I know who I am better now than I ever did previously. And so, you know, I didn't realize until I had squandered everything that I had located my identity in so many different mm. things. And there was more grace. The there was more yes, grace. Yes, <laughs> there was. There was. There yeah. was. Never ending. Yeah. Never ending. But I, wow. you know, I and I talk about this often, but, you know, I had so... Located my worth, my value, my significance, my security, my identity—really. You grew up in the camera's um, eye,
0: man. Like, just well, and
3: it, w- it was—it was beyond that. It was—it was just my own success as a messenger of the gospel mm-hmm. took center stage over mm-hmm. the gospel itself. Oh, and, gotcha. and 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 uh, I only know that by looking back. It didn't feel that way when I was oh, of going course. through it. Until you touch um, the ark, <laughs> like, Right. Oh, right. right. Whoop. Yeah. Whoop. Yeah. shouldn't have done that. Uh, but I mean, so I think now this time around and God just systematically deconstructed me. So um, I don't care. I really don't give a rat's ass if Mm -hmm. this church has a hundred people or a thousand people in it. I don't care. I don't care if I write another book. I don't care about public opinion and all of that is so liberating. It's almost like, man, I didn't realize, I didn't realize until I lost it that I had come to depend on those things to make me feel like I mattered. And so, you know, uh, uh, God just had to strip me strip me, strip me, you know, I mean, I just, I, I, it's oftentimes you don't realize what you're depending on to make life worth living until you lose those things. And then those things are exposed. And those were certainly exposed to me. And so I am, incredibly grateful for the pastors and counselors who walked with me and dealt with me during the worst season of my life. My good friend Paul Zoll said when I was at my worst and literally ready to throw in the towel, uh, he said to me, the suffering you are experiencing is God kicking you into a new freedom from false definitions of who you are. Mm -hmm. And he really put his finger on what was actually going on with me, which was a bona fide identity crisis. I didn't know who I was without these things and without these people and without these opportunities and, you know, all of that stuff. And I mean, I you know, my, my marriage fell apart, my home was broken, my job was gone, my opportunities were gone, my credibility was gone. Everything that I had come to depend on that was smaller than Jesus was literally evaporated almost overnight. And so, uh, you know, that pushed me into a massive identity crisis when I was 41 years old. And uh, it took a solid four to five years uh, in order for me to come out on the other side and go, man, ministry seems so much more freeing now because... Number one, I feel what sufferers are feeling and sinners are feeling in a way that I didn't. You hugged the cactus, man. Yes, (laughs) you hugged the cactus. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, And my wife, who's just so wise and so amazingly grounded and mature, she said, you know, I listened to so many of your sermons and read your books before I knew you. And she said, your ministry was always very strong sympathetic to the sufferer and to the sinner yes, and yeah. she said but now she said now i listen to you and i read what you write and i hear what you say and i listen to the way you talk to people and she said you have something now that is deeper than what you had before street you have bread, man street well bread. well she, she does say <laughs> that but she she says she has said that but she said you in your voice and coming from your oh, heart yeah, i yeah, hear yeah. an empathy and yeah. empathy. And for she sure. said, you know, I mean, it's a good distinction. The distinction between sympathy and empathy is a good one. Uh, yeah. Sympathy is I hear what you're saying. Empathy yeah. is I feel what you're feeling. Yep. Yep. And, and um, Here's some crazy, like,
0: borderline musings of, of, a, of a heretic for me is we always talk about Jesus becoming sin, you know? Mm. And, and the reality is, is like, he became sin in every way. So, like all the psychosis, all the anxiety, all the struggles that come with that identity. Like, and what kind of launched me into this thinking was where Paul was talking about sin and saying that, you know, account yourselves, you know, to be alive unto God. And I'm thinking, being dead to sin isn't just like this concept of forgiveness. It's like, I don't feel the guilt anymore. I don't feel the shame anymore. I don't feel the anxiety anymore. Like, yes, God, Jesus, well Jesus died for that, too. He didn't just die, yep. like, all right, hurry up, get it over with. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, like, like yeah. he became sin on the cross. Not to cut you off, because you're on fire, bro, and I want what you got. So keep saying. <laughs> 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 well,
3: well, listen, no, I mean, that's very, very well said. And I, I was just thinking about this. I was talking to a friend of mine. And I said, the gospel is so much more scandalous than what we what we think it is. I mean, it is so scandalous that it it's almost Robert Capon calls the gospel immoral. From it's our illegal on this world. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. It is, it's immoral and it's illegal from our vantage point. Yes. And so um, but it's so much more scandalous. And I said, you know, I was just reading the passage where Paul says, you know, she who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And I said, you know, growing up and hearing that, and even as a young preacher preaching that, you know, you sort of simplify that into a say, Jesus died for your sins. Yes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's so much more dangerous than that because it's not Jesus died for your sins, it's Jesus didn't just die for adulterers. Jesus died as an adulterer. He
0: became one.
3: (laughs) Yes, he didn't just die for murderers. He died as a murderer. Your actual sins. Yes, and he became that. And it almost sounds blasphemous to say it, but but unless you're bordering on what sounds like blasphemy, you're not even close to the gospel. Not even
0: close. Yeah. The high priestly prayer of Jesus would be heretical, like by most standards. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's like, I want you to be one with the glory. I want you to be <laughs> one with the life. You're like, you're like, Jesus, are you going like TBN? What are you talking about?
3: <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> right. Yeah.
0: But it's yeah. high priest Jesus,
3: you know? <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. So, hey, it's, you um, know, I mean, we're, we're going, I mean, things are going well here. I mean, we've been quarantined for the last two and a half months, which if you're going to be quarantined, being quarantined in Jupiter, Florida, across from the beach is not a bad place. <laughs> but yeah. um, but yeah, it was, I, was, I was telling some people who said, well, how's the church doing? You know, I mean, you were only six months old when, you know, you were forced to sort of shut things down. And I said, honestly, it came at the absolute perfect time because every time a new church, a new organization in general, but a new church in particular, starts. There's all this vigor and there's all this passion and there's this excitement It's new, it's novel. And once you hit the six-month mark, a general malaise begins to set in because people are tired, the honeymoon is over, um, the novelty has worn off. And so this came at the absolute perfect time for not only my wife and me, but our church. It's given everybody a break. It's given everybody a breather. We've been forced to go online, which is not really my thing, but um, but it has been reaching thousands of people, which has been a complete shock to us, considering that none of us know anything about technology <laughs> and uh, are very bare bones. And so... Uh, we're, the church is doing well. We're getting ready to move. In fact, we are in the process of moving into a permanent facility, which we're super excited about. So when we reopen, which hopefully will be in the beginning of July. Uh, we will reopen in a permanent facility that we are now demoing and, uh, outfitting for our needs as we speak. So, uh, so things are, things are going good. And we are operating completely outside the system. And when I say that, I don't mean that we are, you know, we're operating outside of any form of accountability. What I mean is I have lost complete trust in uh, the church as an institution in its current expression. And that's not and that's and I, that's just coming from a churchman a guy yeah. who uh, believes that church is the gathering of God's people and it's Absolutely. not me and my buddy sitting at Starbucks. So I'm not <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not anti-church at not all, not at all. Uh, but I, I, because I'm so transparently uncomfortably transparent about my own story, I get hundreds, and I mean hundreds and hundreds of letters and notes from pastors, -pastors, ex-pastors, people who are in the church, people who used to go to church, who tell me their own crash and burn stories and how their particular church handled it. And I'm telling you, man, the church is bad at handling real sinners, especially if that real sinner is in a leadership position and falls on their face. They're ch- just, you know. Can
0: I share a crazy paradigm with you that I think will help you, but I'm just using that like graciously. So you got the apostolic succession of like Peter, right? And it's all about passing the baton. But then you got the apostolic succession of Paul, and it's one born out of a due time, basically the bastard apostle. Mm, and what's right. unique about your story is like you do have the pedigree, and yet God gives you the audible He gives you like that one born out of due time. Like, yeah, you could have fit into the whole just passing of the baton succession. Hmm. But, but Jesus creates an audible. I mean, as is typical Jesus fashion. Right. And, hmm. and, and I think that's awesome. I, I don't know. If, does that make sense? Or is that too muddled? I don't yeah, know. listen,
3: no, it, no, it makes so I absolutely feel like I am God's audible play.
2: The one that no one
3: prepared for, the, no, the one that no one planned on, the one yeah. that's thrown out there. And when everyone least expects it, and I have felt that way, like, God, what are you doing with me? I mean, I I would love to figure out another way to live my life. In fact, one of the things that and we knew I was going to get hammered, my wife and I and our friends knew that when word got out that I was going to start a church, that I was going to get Hammered, yeah, um, from you know, all of the basement bloggers, and I did. (laughs) I mean, I did, yeah, of course, I got hammered for it, and all of the old stuff got brought up, stuff that was true got brought up, stuff that is categorically false got brought up as if it was true. Um, and 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 yet, at the same time, I while we were going through that, um, and we were, you know, I because I had been off the grid for a while, and so things had died down and i was be you know by god's grace my wife and i were you know we were building our life together and relationships were being mended and restored and amends was being made and all you know was being made all and you know behind the scenes and
0: um so you actually have to do the stuff that you would counsel and pastor people about
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah right yeah that's right yeah so uh but so, you know, I'm when, when all of this came out, the, the, one of the narratives, one of the many narratives was this guy is jumping back into pastoral ministry because he just can't stand not being in the spotlight. Yeah. And my wife, my wife, who, you know, wants to rip her hair out of her head when she hears that, says... <laughs> She says, uh, okay, first of all, no one wants to be out of the spotlight more than my husband. because every, Pastors get beat up, dude. <laughs> right. I mean, she's just like, every time he steps into the spotlight, he gets a rock thrown in his face. Why yeah. in the world would he want it? So yeah. she said, you know, if he would have gone, this is her speaking now. If he goes into any other industry, I mean, selling insurance, selling homes, building a business, starting a gym, whatever. No one cares. And he goes on about his life and doesn't get attacked. The one industry where he knows he is going to get pummeled is the one that God calls him to. And so she made it, she's like, just logic and reason would tell you that that narrative is ridiculous, that he's just jonesing to get back into the spotlight. like, more suffering, please. Yeah, right, (laughs) right, right. Yeah, that's why when she hears it, she's just like, what in the world? It's like, my gosh, do these people have a brain? Who would believe that? So um, anyway, but, uh, you know, Yeah, yeah, Beautiful. it's been it's been it's been a wild ride, but we are excited to be on it. And um, and I, you know, we when I going back to what I said earlier about we're operating, you know, sort of outside of the system. I told my wife the other day. I said there are company men and there are non-company men. <laughs> and I've never been a company man. I mean, no, definitely. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I didn't come into this world a company man. And, and you worked for a company. That's the irony. Right? Like- yes. <laughs> well so you're, said you're, and that's exactly where I'm going
0: we, we dream of of having those types of people that'll go against the grain but most people are like oh you don't understand what I have to lose you know
3: well it's exactly and I you know and the, the truth of the matter is we were doing what we were what, what we were saying uh, at liberate through my books uh, and through Coral Ridge all that kind of stuff I mean we were inside the company but we were championing a non-company message and uh and and i would have never left that because there were too many comforts um Mm. i would have never ever chosen to leave that and um and i think in a sense being cast out of the system and of that particular industry i mean sort of you know evangelical christianity that industry uh has really given me the freedom to say you know what, I just I don't care what the company says. I'm not dependent on the company anymore. Yeah. The company doesn't want me. I don't want them. I am here for the people that would never darken the door of any of these companies.
1: Amen. That's that's exactly um, why we're here. The yeah, <laughs> layman of yeah. the apocalypse. That's the whole inspiration right. of this podcast is, yeah, is to kind to... of reach the bruised reeds of the church. Yes,
3: yes. And there are many and one of the things we talk about at the sanctuary is we really want this place to be a place where the gospel is so championed and where the gospel is so tangible in its declaration and its delivery that it the sanctuary is a place where you can tell the truth about yourself the whole truth about yourself without fear of rejection. And we named the church the sanctuary because as I was doing some historical research on sanctuaries and where the word came from and what used to be called sanctuaries, one one of the things that stood out was the fact that, you know, sanctuaries were churches where guilty convicted felons who knew they were guilty could run and escape the condemnation of the law.
0: Did yeah, we talked about that before the show. We were talking about there used to be a place for confession in the society and it doesn't exist anymore.
3: Right, right. No, that's exactly right. And so if you remember um, that scene from Les Mis, whichever version you guys have watched. Oh, it's but, a great uh, story. Yeah. Oh, the best. But you know where Jean Valjean goes? He's running from the law, literally running from the law, and he well, you know, makes his way to a convent, uh, and you know he he, he just finds a sanctuary there. Um, and when the law shows up. When Inspector Javert shows up with all of his cronies, the nun will not let them in, and mm. they don't have the legal right to even go wow. in. Wow, that and is so a prophetic it's,
0: picture right
3: there, is beautiful. I mean, <laughs> wow. and so it literally, I mean, the, I mean literally, the the word sanctuary literally means a place of refuge and safety, and historically... Yeah. It's, it's historically anyway churches were, ch- churches were places where fugitives could seek at least temporary yeah. protection from the law
0: yeah a higher place than government yeah
3: right and what's interesting about that and what was wow. so captivating to me about it was that every person who fled to a church for sanctuary knew that they were lawbreakers they knew that they were guilty that's oh, why absolutely. they were there yeah.
1: yeah. It's like the people who ran to Jesus.
3: <laughs> yes. And when you look yeah. at the church today, all too often, because of the moralistic message that is all too often delivered, mm. um, what you get is a, a pack of people who begin to think that they are what is right with the world, yeah. that we are what is right with the world and everyone out there is what is wrong with the world. And so if we don't recover this mm. sanctuary sense about yeah. church, which which only the law and the gospel can produce, Uh, the law shows us we aren't even close to making the grade.
0: Thank you for your consistency, man. We appreciate that. Oh, gosh, man. It's the only bullet in my gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. It is. A good bullet it to have. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you're not compromising the message and I just want to point that out to whoever's listening out there. This guy actually believes in the law of God. He just believes in the actual law of God. Yeah.
3: Right, not some cheapened version of do more try harder. Yep. It is no. be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Yeah. Uh that's that's the standard. I was preaching a series of sermons on the 10 commandments years ago. I entitled the sermon series, "How to Be Perfect." I started by saying, "Listen, if you're into to-do lists, this sermon series is for you, man yeah. I mean, if you're into checking off the boxes, this is for you." Um, and I said that facetiously, of course. but after about two or three weeks of being in the series, I was getting pushback from you know, the blogosphere and the, sort of, yeah, the, of the people out there. And they were suggesting that I was saying that the law, the Ten Commandments in particular, primarily exists to show us how far from keeping the Ten Commandments we actually are. Absolutely. Which is true. And they had a problem with that. And one of the questions that came up was, okay, I understand what you're saying, but once God saves us and regenerates us, and we now have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, are we not now capable of keeping God's law?
0: That's a classic argument, yeah. Right. I keep tripping over Jesus. Yeah, right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He gets in my way all the time. (laughs) All the time. So I, I said, listen, that is a great question. And uh, it's interesting theologically, and it's interesting theoretically, yeah. and uh, it's a worthy conversation to have. Once I become a Christian because of God's amazing grace, and now I have His Holy Spirit living inside of me, do, don't I become capable of doing God's law? And I said, that's a great theological discussion to have, and that discussion has been had over the centuries. But here's the question I'm primarily concerned about, not the question... Are you able to do it? My question is: Are you doing it? <laughs> <laughs> and if you're, and if you're not, then just shut up and thank God for Jesus. That's yeah. it.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why?
3: Why do we feel this intense uh, compulsion to just say, "Where is my part"? Where it's is a psychosis. kid of the game? It's oh a psychosis. My it's the same. In, I was
2: going to say. Hey, Matt's been, been patient. I've been I'm listening. I've yeah, been patiently listening to this. Just enjoying
1: enjoying the conversation. We're both man. over here like fanboys right now. So. For real. <laughs>
2: um, um, but this is the this thing. This dude's on fire, dude. I, I'm uh, loving yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. No, but seriously, I but the one thing is you finally got to the, the point where I really needed to ask my question. I'm going to be selfish for two minutes. Um, While my dog's coughing. uh, But long. um, Hang on one second. All right, there we go. Um, So, seriously, um, this is where I'm struggling. Uh, I want to obey the law of God. Um, I want to become a better Christian and... Uh, you know, I want to improve myself. And, and and yet I find that there is this really uh, pervasive mentality out there in the church where we just are so focused on our sin all the time. And it feels like, and I was talking to these guys before, you know, the, the call, it feels like, God is more concerned about us loving our neighbor and, you know, actually doing mercy and justice than He is about the little things that we're always focused on as evangelical Christians. And don't you think that that is a big part of the problem why why the church is no longer the sanctuary that
3: it, that it used to be or it should be? Yeah, I mean, I I think the conversation regarding. Well, you, 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 you asked a loaded question. There's so much in what you asked, which is all good. It's a great question. Um, the first thing I, I will address before I answer that question is I'm not sure I understand. I, I understand what you mean, but I, I almost think it's dangerous language. The language that all of us grew up with, I'm assuming all of us grew up with this kind of language, the language of becoming a better Christian. I don't even know what the hell that means. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I you. mean, Me neither. I mean, That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. And it's a good one. I mean, there, is, there are – I mean, you don't find that kind of language in the Bible. Yeah. And yet we pick it up along the way. And, yeah. you know, strong faith and good, you know, better Christian or strong Christian. Or I find myself describing people that way. Oh, Stacey, I can't wait for you to meet this guy. He's a strong Christian. I catch myself like, what the hell does that even mean? Compared to what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. right. Are we comparing ourselves to Jesus or each other?
3: Right. right. And so one of the things that I've often said is um, I that I grew up, believing that spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, Christian growth, was basically this. I'm getting stronger and stronger and more and more competent every day. When the Bible describes spiritual growth, rather than it describing an upward growth, it describes a downward growth. And what you discover is that real spiritual growth, biblically speaking, is not I'm getting stronger and stronger and more and more competent every day. It's I'm becoming increasingly aware of how weak and incompetent yeah. I am, and how strong and competent Jesus is. The outward man
0: is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Yeah,
3: and I just think I just think transformation language is dangerous inside yeah. the church. You're right. I mean, I'm, it's not that transformation doesn't happen. It does happen. And thank God it happens. I can talk about my own life and how God has transformed me just in the past five years in some ways that have been remarkable and very liberating and all of those things. So I'm not downplaying transformation. I just think that substitution is the root of christianity i mean you're describing a transformation right now in your life that's right
0: you're going through transformation yeah that's right so you're not exempt
3: no anybody listen to this go i told you he's an antinomy he doesn't believe in transformation that's not (laughs) what i'm saying okay i'm not saying transformation it does not happen in the life of the christian but um but substitution is the focus and the foundation of christianity not transformation
0: amen so here's here's my selfish question, and I'm sorry. Finish your thought. I'm, I'm very selfish. I'm more selfish than mad. But <laughs> I,
3: but the, the other thing I would say real quick is that I, um, I think it's really important to also talk about uh, what what are good works, mm-hmm. and more specifically, who are they for? Yeah. Because I grew up believing that God disposition toward me was riding on my behavior or my good works. When I was good, God loved me more. When I was bad, God loved me less. But contrary to what I was taught growing up, our works are not things we must do to keep God's favor. The life, all of the life instructions we get in the Bible are not given so that we can keep God's love. They are descriptions and directions on how to love others. So you could put it, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the famous way to put it is God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. Martin Luther. Yes. Yeah. So when we imply that our works are for God and not our neighbor, we perpetuate this idea that God's love and acceptance of us is dependent on what we do rather than on what Jesus has it's done. Like, it's
0: like separation of church and state right there, man. It's like, it's like you're saying, I know what the higher authority is and that's a done deal. But as far as like, like Augustine wrote about the. City of God, you know the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. As far as the kingdom of man is concerned, they need my good works. Yeah,
3: and yeah, the so kingdom this is of God my... doesn't. Right? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So my selfishness. Well, question. let me let me. Well, real quick before you before you go there, let me just let me I just say to be this. I want bro. <laughs> I know. It's, I know. Okay. Me too. I, I, well, my selfishness, my selfishness is going to trump your selfishness. Yeah. Uh um, <laughs> um, in the episode, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> please. Yeah. Well, it's real life. So, um, so I think it's important, really important, for people to understand because this was a massive paradigm shift for me that our work are not a transaction with god they are for others because jesus has fully and finally fixed things between us and god and this is super important Mm. life after justification doesn't eliminate good works it just horizontalizes them yeah Yeah. Yeah. so now it's not about doing the law in order to in in order to ensure god's love Yeah. Doing the, the law is a description of how can we properly love others. So when when Paul gives Man. us a list of the works of the flesh, he's not saying uh, he, he's saying, "Listen, the reason I'm God's telling you not to do this stuff is because when you do this stuff, it's not that you're blocking God's love for you; it's that you are blocking your love for others." Mm. So what is lust? It's taking, wow. not giving. What is greed? It's wanting and not giving. I mean, when you look at all of those works of the flesh, they're inherently self-centered. It's all about what can I get for me? And the more you focus on taking and getting, the less you're concerned about giving and loving. So I just, I think that's massive because we preach, we we preach good works as if, Those things are things we need to do to ensure that God stays happy with us. Yeah.
0: God doesn't need it but other people do. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's it. That makes that makes a ton of sense, man. Yeah. And
1: if you actually think that God needs it, you're you begin using your neighbor. Instead of actually loving them, that is,
3: that's good. That's stuff. exactly right. Write that yeah, down. That's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> write that, that exactly. down, please.
0: <laughs> I so will. Here's, my, here's, here's my selfish thought. Okay. So, okay. You know about the whole evangelical coalition of the '80s and '90s, and um, my whole thought is we compromised the gospel by moralizing it. yeah. And we wanted to make it more palliative to a broader audience. And in doing so, we actually obscured the gospel. Now, this is not like the unpardonable sin. And I was talking to Brian earlier and I was like, you know, what I love about Peter is he not only committed heresy before the cross, he committed heresy after the cross. And as an apostle, this dude was preaching false gospel for like a very short second. And then Paul was like, hey, bro, what's going on here? And he's like, yeah, you're right, Paul. I agree with you. I'm sorry. So I feel like culturally as Americans, we've been sold a bill of goods because I can't tell you growing up in the 80s and 90s. It's like, how many times do I got to get saved? How many altar calls do I got to go to? When am I finally going to be in? And I'm (laughs) like, why did this like peripherate the church, like where the gospel message was like so diluted and that's what I love about you. I I, I don't know you as well as, as Matt and Brian do. I mean I know you from a distance, but it's yeah. like you, you found out a way to distill the gospel, like gospel mm. moonshine. Just mm. like this is the essence of of, of what God is is saying. And um, so I was wondering if you could speak to that. Do you agree with what I said? Do you disagree? Like, why are we so confused? Not just as Christians, but as Americans. Mm.
3: Like, yeah, well, I mean, let me, let me begin to answer that by saying this. Um, How do I say this without being too controversial? Um, Let's see. So, Oftentimes, the preachers that, at least, probably some of you guys and I sort of grew up maybe admiring, looking up to, especially in sort of the Presbyterian Reformed world. Um, you know, there there were there have been a lot of voices uh, talking against worldliness inside the church. And a lot of people talking about the need for the church to be countercultural and to go against the worldly system, which I completely agree. The irony is that the message that these guys all too often deliver is incredibly worldly because countercultural preaching is preaching an it is finished message in a just do it world. That's what countercultural preaching is. And so if you are moralizing Christianity and you're making it, and you could name some really well-known people who do this every time they write or speak, that the focus of the Christian faith is the life of the Christian. And it's all about proving you're a Christian, living like a Christian, being more serious as a Christian. It's all do more, try harder. And the irony is some of these guys, okay, and I'm not going to mention any names, but some of these guys, if they were to hear me say that they are essentially preaching the same message as someone like Joel Osteen, they would vomit. And yet yet it's true. They're both. Okay? I mean, these health, wealth, prosperity preachers that these guys rail against, these guys, the the health, wealth, prosperity people are saying, do more, try harder, get better, have more faith. These other guys are saying the same thing. Do more, try harder, get better, have more faith you know, the health, wealth, prosperity people are saying, do all those things and get blessings from God materially. These people are saying, do all these things and get blessings from God spiritually. Either way, it's still the same message. It's putting the onus on me to climb a ladder rather than Mm -hmm. focusing on Jesus on a cross. And so...
1: And him climbing the ladder.
3: (laughs) Right. So uh, even even those people who... Uh, you know, rail the most against worldliness in the the church and how worldly the church has become. These are the same voices that will stand up Sunday after Sunday and give us a checklist of things we need to do in order to ensure that we really are a Christian. It's almost like listening to some of these guys, you wonder if they take great pleasure in causing blood-bought Christians to doubt whether they're actually blood bought, yeah, I'm no, like, for sure. man, like, I mean, I don't yeah. know if there's anything worse than causing someone whom God loves to doubt whether or not God loves them.
0: And that would be a worldly church service in heaven.
3: <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's the exactly that's, that's right. That is. And so I'm just like, man, where do you? Where in the world? I mean, if God doesn't doubt, we had a guy come to our church years ago, and he's a well-respected man that I love and have known for years and I admire and I sat there and listened to his message and I'm telling you for three days after that message I was and this is while I was pastor at Colridge I was driving around in my car going from place to place doing whatever I did over the course of those three days and asking myself am I really a Christian Mm -hmm. like based on what based on what he described This is causing me to doubt whether or not it really took you know and i mean i'm in my late 30s at the time and i've been pastoring for years and i remember it dawned on me i Hmm. said this stuff is toxic man i mean if god doesn't doubt my salvation why in the (laughs) hell is this why in the hell is this guy causing me to doubt it yeah i mean charge
0: against god's elect right
3: right that's exactly right man it's exactly we, right so we believe
0: when, this stuff or not
3: <laughs> right exactly and so while you know when you were saying you know what's happened i think you know, I mean, in many ways, I think the-
0: I wrestle too, though, so I'm, I'm not without excuse, so. No, me not, too,
3: big uh, time. I mean, I, I, just think the, I just think the message of do, that we can call an American message, which is do more, try harder, is also the church message. And honestly, it is the uh, message of the fallen human condition. Why did we stop
0: preaching the gospel, man? Like, is it, is it, is it just that, is it that risky?
3: Yeah, it is. I mean, it it confronts the gospel, confronts every conditional fiber in our being, Mm. every conditional fiber. So we are conditional people and we live in a conditional world and we live Mm. amongst conditional people. Conditionality is the way the world works. Unconditionality yeah. is the way God works. Well, so, well,
1: he's conditional, but he meets the conditions on our, our behalf.
3: Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's yeah. right. That's right. That, yeah, I've often said, uh, we're not saved apart from the law. We're saved in Christ who perfectly kept the law for us. Amen. Uh, so, and yes, what the law thing. cannot do, Christ did. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> yep. exactly right. Right. The law condemns, it can't save. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And Christ saved. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I think the fact, I think, um... I think the evangelical church at large, for the most part, and I'm not ranting on even the foundation of evangelical doctrine, the inspiration of scripture. I mean, I I subscribe to all that stuff, Um, but the, the evangelical church in terms of its primary messaging, it really is, it can be simplified by saying that in a variety of different ways, what we're hearing and what we're reading and what we're seeing is that the focus of the Christian faith is the life of the christian
0: you've been baptized in the gospel dude there's there- some like <laughs> tra- trademark that statement because that's some good reformed like you know way of saying it but it's like you have been baptized in the gospel bro and I just love that about you because I do not know you as well as these guys know you, and, and they don't well you as know as as much as they think they do. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Everything
0: that you're like, you're shooting, man. I just like you said, you got one bullet, man. So thank you.
3: Well, uh, no, you're welcome, man. And it, I, I I preach it uh, because it's what literally saves me every day. I mean, this is not. <laughs> This is not. This is not. Uh, this is. I, I don't. I don't uh, get off on theological debates about this stuff. That's not yeah. what it's about. It really is. Yeah, a, yeah. It's, it's a functional lifeline for me. I mean, if yeah. this isn't true, if this isn't true, I'm exiting stage left because I have
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Like Spurgeon said. He said, while others are congratulating themselves. I have to sit humbly at the cross and marvel that i'm saved at
2: all
3: (laughs) right yeah that's exactly right that's exactly right
2: yeah no that's good hey Tolly, and we want to be respectful of your time we're at an hour um you know we're we're just grateful that you're able to come in and talk to us and i think you just really well uh did a great job of articulating uh the the gospel for our listeners and and we sure are grateful for that and
3: well um, well, you guys, so. seriously, this is this is a fun. This has been a fun conversation. I had a cup of coffee before we had it, so I, <laughs> I was like, I, I need. I, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, caffeine's my backup plan. Yeah, Christian uh, crack, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but no, this has been a really enjoyable conversation. I'm proud of you guys. I'm grateful for what you guys are doing. I'm thoroughly grateful for your commitment to preaching. The gospel unedited it is so necessary and needed out there uh i think one of the things i learned uh in my wilderness wanderings of being outside of pastoral ministry and disconnected from you know the christian community at large was that i rubbed shoulders with people who had no idea who i was and they didn't care uh people who had no connection to church or god or anything and i spent a couple years just listening to these people and, um, and just really paying attention, which is something when you're in professional Christian work, you just don't spend a ton of time with yeah. people that are completely disconnected from God and the church and Christianity. And, and by necessity, I was. And it opened my eyes to so many needs out there and yeah. so much loneliness and so much guilt and so much shame and so much just crap that weighs people down. And I'm like, man, we sit around and we talk about stuff that no one cares about. I mean, literally, I was, I was, one final story and then we can end. But I was, but we, I was on a, I was at a, sitting on a panel discussion and this was probably seven months after everything blew up and uh it was it it was there were still things that were getting ready to blow up although i didn't know it at the time and so i'm sitting on this panel discussion and there were you know five or six people and we were having a discussion about things that i have sat on panel discussions and discussed ten thousand times justification sanctification law gospel all of that stuff Hmm. all the theological stuff that I love. And I was in a really bad place. I mean, just not I'm not bad morally, just bad emotionally, uh, bad mentally, bad spiritually. I mean, I, I my whole life had come off the rails and I was still reeling from all of that and experiencing the consequences of all of that. and And it was the first time that I had sat on a panel discussion discussing these things and I wanted to scream in front of the audience and all of the other people on the panel like, who cares about this <laughs> Like literally tell me something that is going to enable me to not want to kill myself tomorrow. Because every morning I wake up, I want to take my own life, literally. And I'm yeah. like, what? Let's, let's talk about stuff that will give Real, like we're just mm. debating this stuff and picking on this guy and picking on that guy who doesn't say what we say. And we're yeah. more articulate and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, my mm. God, this is so old. No one cares. Let's
1: right. come out of the ivory towers
0: and meet
3: right. people. Right, gosh, yeah.
0: man. Yeah. I mean, so. You're not saying I, the I, message I, doesn't matter. You're just saying people matter. Like, yeah, the message yes, is for people. And, and we're it's, just it's, talking it's, about the details of the message. Like,
3: Right. <laughs> And it's, yeah. it's, it's the same with the Sabbath. Sabbath, uh, you know, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man. And it's oh, the same wow. thing when it comes to a That's theology good. of the gospel. It's yeah. like this isn't. This wasn't made. I mean, this was made to serve humans in yeah. their struggle and yeah. in the yeah. messiness of actual life. The Son this of Man not did not simply... come to
0: be served, but to serve.
3: Right. I mean... And this is. This is. We. we it's not just for discussion and debate. I mean, yeah, this yeah. is life.
0: Wow, yeah. dude, so. that's dynamite, bro. <laughs>
3: on,
0: you just walk around with sticks of
3: dynamite. Dude, just like, <laughs> <laughs> just, oftentimes they go off in my hand, which is my problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tully,
2: and we're going to be praying for you and your new church um, and, and getting back to normal as this thing uh, starts opening up and, I pray that many, many people get to walk through the doors and hear that message and are set free and find sanctuary. Um, I mean, that's ultimately our goal and um, as well. And, and uh, we will labor with you in prayer, brother. And thank you so so much again for coming
3: on. Thank you guys very much. This was a lot of fun. I look forward <laughs> to coming back. Awesome. Yeah. Grace and nope. you, brother. Thanks, man. You guys too. We'll talk soon.
2: Wow, guys, what an awesome episode. Uh, Grateful to have Tullian on the show with us today. Hey, if this is uh, your first time listening to us, I want to encourage you, please go check us out on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever podcasts are served up. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Please leave us a, a review if you'd be so kind to do that. That really helps us get the show out to more people. Gets the gospel, the unadulterated gospel, out to as many people as we possibly can. And and by the way, we'd love for you to join our community on Facebook. We have a great little uh, Facebook group that uh, you can join and, uh, and 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 be a part of the conversation. And uh, and by the way, we have a brand new website where we're going to be posting blog articles and uh, links to the different uh, episodes that you can share with your friends. Uh, so guys, thanks again for joining us. Uh, until next time, remember, Jesus plus nothing is everything. Peace.
4: Try to catch me at the
0: we were I joking before the show how like when we were all kids you know there's two iconic figures john rambo and billy graham <laughs> and then in yeah. like a secret government lab they they created project
3: let me tell you something. That is the greatest compliment I've ever received in my life. Ever. Dude, it, John it. Rambo. I mean, Rambo was my hero growing up, man.
0: Right. I mean, my hero. I so was more that is a massive the, compliment. When I found out that Santa wasn't real, that didn't bother me as much as when I found out
4: John Rambo wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious, man. That's um, hilarious,